This is Daf Yud Chet in Masechet Megillah. We're going to begin uh, on Yud Chet Amud Aleph, three lines down from the widest lines, where it says, If you read the Megillah orally without a text in front of you, you do not fulfill the mitzvah. Gemara says, Minadan, where do we get this from? Rava, Rava said, because there's a gzera shava, a connection between the word zechira, remembrance, in two places. Ketiv achad says, It says regarding the Megillah, these days have to be remembered, and that's a reference to the reading of the Megillah, and it says over there in the Torah, Remembering Amalek, it says write this as a zikaron, as a remembrance in a book. Just like over there it's in the Sefer Torah, here too it has to be a remembrance of the story of the Purim that comes from a book. Megillat is telling, "Oh, we might die." Zechira Kriyai. How do you know that the Zechira is talking about a reading? The Almayun Baalma. Maybe it's just talking about a reflection and a thinking, and not necessarily a reading. Last al kadatach. Don't think that the Chitiv because it says in the pasuk Zachol, remember Amalek. Yachol belev. How do you know that doesn't mean just thinking about it in your heart? Kishuomer on lo tishkach. But then it says, don't forget. That's talking about not forgetting in your heart. So what does it mean when it says Zachol? To remember Amalek, it means with the mouth. In other words, it means you have to verbally remember. And since it says Basefer, it has to be out of a text. So too with the Megillah, it has to be out of a text. If you read it as a Targum, a translation of the Megillah doesn't count. What is it talking about? If you're saying that it's written in Hebrew, and he reads it, translating as he reads, that's the same as verbally. In other words, if the text in front of you is in Hebrew and you say it in English, you're not really reading what's in the text. It means that if they translate it into another language and you read that, language, it's no good, even though you're reading from a text, since the text is written in a language other than the original language, it's no good, as we're going to see, that's not exactly, uh, it's not exactly uh, always true, but it said in the Mishnah, you could read it to those who understand a foreign language in their language, didn't you say that if you read it in another language, you didn't fulfill the mitzvah, so how can you have it both ways, how can you say, they're reading it targum, meaning if you read a translation of the Megillah into a different language, it's no good, but it says if you read it to those who understand the language, it is good, it's talking about Greek, Say Rabin Shmuel. So the question is, what case? If you're talking about where you have a Megillah written in front of you in Hebrew and you read it in Greek, in other words, you translate it into Greek as you're reading, so that's the same as reading orally, because you're not really saying what's written in the text. We're talking about, says Rabbi Yachan, the name of Rabbi Elazar, where it was written in Greek in front of you, and you're reading Greek. Okay, so Rabin Shmuel is saying that is acceptable. That's what it says. When it says, that you. Um, that you uh, read it to people who understand Greek. You're reading from Megillah written in Greek. And in, as an aside, it mentioned, since it mentioned Rabbi Achan, the name of Rabbi Elazar, it says another teaching that, how do you know, how do you know that Hashem called Yaakov El? He called him like, so to speak, God or a force. So because he called him El, Elohei Yisrael. So the question is, how do you read that pasuk? Now the shot of the pasuk is that Yaakov built the Mizbeach and he called the Mizbeach El Elohei Yisrael. God, the God of Israel. But it says, if you're going to say that Yaakov called the Mizbeach El, Vaikalo Yaakov Mibayle. So why doesn't Yaakov's name appear in the pasuk? It should say, Vaikalo Yaakov El. Right? Ela, Vaikalo Yaakov El. Meaning that somebody called Yaakov El. Who called Yaakov El, Elohei Yisrael, the God of Israel. In other words, the idea is, there's a, there's a lot of depth to this idea. It's mentioned by the Ramban in, the, in uh, his Perush on the Chumash. It means that Yaakov played such a significant role in the unfolding of the divine plan. It's as if he had a, uh, a, a status so close to Hashem. That's why he's called El, 
and by Elohei Yisrael. But in any case, in other words, Hashem was the one who gave him that designation. May the way raise an objection, because you said that according to uh, Rav and Shmuel, we said that... Um, we said that... Uh, that you're that we're talking about uh, a case where you read a Greek Megillah that it's good, but we read an objection to that because it says Ivrit Lo Yatsa. It says in the Brayta that if you read it in Giftit or Ivrit or Ilmit or Madit Yevanit, Ivrit is not talking about Hebrew; it's a different dialect. For any of these languages, it's no good, including Yevanit. So Haladami Elalaha. This is this is com- comparable. In other words, the teaching of the. Uh, of Rav and Shmuel is a different in a different connection. Giftit le giftim, ivrit le ivrim, ilmit le ilmim, ivanit le ivanim, yatsa. In other words, that's the case when we're talking about uh, that you do fulfill the mitzvah by reading in a foreign language. We're talking about if you read a Megillah written in giftit for people who speak giftit, people uh, Megillah written in ivrit for people who speak ivrit. So people, uh, it, that's talking about not ivrit Hebrew, but it's talking about the language of Ever Anar of the. So whatever Semitic language it was, Ilmit for people who speak il, uh, who speak it, and Yevanit for whoever speaks Yevanit. That's where you're Yotze, but that's where you fulfill the mitzvah. But uh, and that's where our Mishnah said that Liloazot Belaaz that when you read to foreigners in their language, you fulfill the mitzvah. It's talking about like it says in that Brayta that you're reading it to an audience that understands it. If you're reading it to an, people that don't understand it. That's when it said before that you're low yet, so that you didn't fulfill the mitzvah because you're reading it to uh, uh, Germans in English or something like that. Right, Iachi, if that's true. So, uh, so then why did Rav and Shmuel say that it's speaking about Greek, if actually it's true of all languages, that if you have to read to an audience that understands a language, that there's no difference between Greek or any other language. Could be any language. Rather, our Mishnah is following the Brayta. In other words, our Mishnah that says that if you read in a foreign language for foreigners that, know, that speak that language, it's good. That's, that's our Mishnah. But Rav was saying that just like Hebrew, if you read it for an audience, even if they don't understand it, they fulfill the mitzvah, that's also true of Greek. So uh, that's what they They said that Greek is good for everyone. But didn't it say in the Brayta that no Greek is only good for Yevanim for Greeks? In the Kule Al, so the way meaning Yevanim in for Greeks, yes, the Kule Al not for anybody else. In Udamo, Rabban Shem Gamliel, because Rabban Shem hold like Rabban Shem Ben Gamliel did not. Rabban Shem Gamliel Omer Av Sfarim Moedu Yishikatavu Yevanit, because Rabban Shem Gamliel said that Sfarim Sifrei Torah Tzedra can only be written in Greek. That's the only alternative language they're allowed to be written in. They hold like Rabban Shem Gamliel that there's a unique status of Greek. According to the other opinions, no, you can only use a foreign language when you're reading to Megillah to people who speak that language. There's no other official language. Only Hebrew is good for everyone. And other languages, it's dependent on the audience. But, but, but there, according to Rav Shmuel, following Rav Shmuel Gamliel, uh, also Greek is good, right? So if that's true, then if they hold like Ben Gamliel, why don't they say Halacha Rabban Shimon Ben Gamliel? Because if they had just said Halacha follows Rabban Shimon Gamliel, you would think that means only others Farim. But you would think of Al But you would think that since the Megillah specifically says it has to be written in their language, meaning in the language of the Jews, it has to be Hebrew according to him. So right, so there, so you would think that it's not true that you can't use Greek in the case of the Megillah. So therefore. 
Kamashmalan comes to tell you that just like a Sefer Torah according to Rabban Shemam Gamliel can be written in Greek, a Megillah can also be written in Greek, and you can read in Greek according to Rabban Shemuel even for audiences that don't understand Greek, just like Hebrew. Other languages, it's dependent upon the audience. said that if a person who doesn't know Hebrew hears the Megillah in Hebrew, he fulfills the mitzvah. So in that case, it doesn't need to be a language he understands. But he doesn't know what's actually being said. But that's okay because the women and the Amiharits, the ignorant uh, folk that are not educated in Hebrew, they also don't know what it means in Hebrew and they fulfill the mitzvah. Matkivda Ravina Ravina objected to the question. Aren't there phrases in the Megillah that we ourselves don't know what they mean, such as we ourselves don't know what that means? Rather, it's a mitzvah of reading and pirsumanes, meaning that the point is you're reading it and you're publicizing the miracle. So too, that the mitzvah, in other words, even though there are words that we don't understand, we understand the message of the story, and that is the pirsumanes, that is the publicizing of the miracle, um, even without knowing those particular words. So, so too, a person who doesn't even know Hebrew knows the basic story. And Rashi says, so in other words, they'll hear the reading and they'll be, a person who doesn't understand what's being said will go and ask, what is this reading about? What does it mean? They'll get the story from that even though they don't understand the actual content of the Megillah that's being read. So it doesn't matter that they're not reading it or hearing it in a language they understand. If a person read it, it's still good. So The rabbis didn't know what Serugin meant. They heard the maidservant of Rabbi that she said to the rabbis, they were coming in little by little, they were coming in um, like one by one or two by two. Instead of coming in all together, they were going very slowly with a lot of interruptions into the house. So she said, why are you coming in in an interrupted fashion? So they realized from that it means interrupted. So in other words, reading serogin means you read a pasuk, you take a break, you read a little bit, you take a break, you take a, there's a lot of breaks in between. The rabbis didn't know what chaloglogot was, which is mentioned in the Mishnah in many places. They heard that the maidservant of Rabbi said, that he was, um, he was planting which is a certain type of vegetable. She said, how long are you going to spread around your So they realized is whatever that green vegetable is. They didn't know what, it, what the pasuk meant when it says, Salsalat, do, do whatever that is, and it will lift you up. It's talking about wisdom. The wisdom will lift you up if you are salsaleha, if you, if you do whatever salsaleha means. But then they heard the maidservant of Rabbi, that she said to a person, that he was, he was like playing with his hair a lot. She said to him, How long are you going to misalsel with your hair? Meaning it, goes, it means, as Rashi says, uh, digging into it and turning it over. So the same thing in the Pasuk means, if you dig in and turn over and search in knowledge, it will raise you up. What, they didn't know what the Pasuk means, that you should cast upon Hashem your Yehav. What does it mean, your Yehav? One time, I was with a certain Arab traveler, and I was carrying a package, and he said to me, he said, take your Yehav, take your package, your, what, your, your burden, and throw it on my camel. In other words, it means, camel, it means uh, burden. So when it says, cast Hashem, cast your burden on Hashem, and He will support you.
It says, um, I will tetetia, whatever that is, with the matate of destruction. What does it mean? Um, so they heard the maidservant of Rabbi that said, said to her friend, take a broom and sweep the house. So then they realized what it means is, I'm going to sweep them with the broom of destruction. Tanu Rabbanan, the rabbis taught, if you read it with interruptions, with a lot of pauses and breaks in the middle, you still fulfill the mitzvah. But if you read it out of order, it's not good. Even when it comes to taking breaks, if you take a pause in the middle, that's the length of the entire reading, then you have to start all over again. That's no good. That's too long of a break. You divided it into two readings now, and it won't be any good. Rabbi Yosef said that the halacha falls Rabbi Mona. Shamar Mishim Rabbi Yehuda that he said in the name of Rabbi Yehuda. Amar le Rabbi Yosef. Rabbi said to Rabbi Yosef, "Kedelik morot kula mecha dekay lesefa or dilber reshel sefa." What does it mean that you took a break? The the amount of the entire reading from where you are now to the end of the reading. Meaning, let's say you're in the middle, and does it mean that a, a pause that would disqualify would be a pause that would be the amount? To from where you are now to the end, so let's say you're 50% through, it would be really 50% of the time it takes to read the Megillah, that would be a pause that would be fatal to the reading. Oh, Dilma Megashal Sefau, it means when it says the break, it means from the beginning to the end. In other words, let's say it takes 30 minutes to read the entire Megillah, so a break of 30 minutes would be an interruption, but a break of 15 minutes, even if you have only 15 minutes left to go in the reading, would not be a break. He said it must mean from the beginning to the end, because otherwise you're making your words, you're making them too subjective. It'll be too subjective. Rabbi Abba said in the name of Rabbi in the name of Rabbi, Alachat Rabbi Mona. The Alachat follows Rabbi Mona. Ushmuel Amar and Alachat Rabbi Mona. But Shmuel said the Alachat does not follow Rabbi Mona. And we don't have a concept that if you paused a very long time in the middle, that it would invalidate your reading. This was how they taught in Surah. But in Pumbedita they taught the following. Amar Afkana Marav. Afkana said in the name of Rabbi, Alachat Rabbi Mona. That Alachat follows Rabbi Mona. That if you have a very long pause, it disqualifies the reading. Ushmuel Amar and Alachat Rabbi Mona. Shmuel says it doesn't follow Rabbi Mona. Rav Beivai Mat Neipcha. Rav Beivai Adi. The opposite. Rav Amar in Alachak Rabbi Mona. That Rav is the one who says that we don't follow Rabbi Mona. Ushmuel Amar Alachak Rabbi Mona. And Shmuel is the one that says we do follow Rabbi Mona. Amar Rav Yosef Nekod Rabbi Beivai Biadecha. You should take what Rav Beivai says in your hand. In other words, he is the one who would follow Rabbi Mona. Why? Because Shmuel is always the one who follows an individual opinion. It's not as it says in the Mishnah Shomer Yavam Shakidesh Achayev Adachota Mishum Rabbi Yehuda Ben Betera Omru Omrim Lo Hamtena Chaser Chicha Gadol Maase. That there's a case of Yibum. Let's say, for example, you have a, uh, a, a man dies without any children. He leaves a wife. And, uh, and you have a bunch of brothers who are potential candidates for marrying the widow to fulfill Yibum. And one of the other brothers goes and wants to marry the sister of that woman. Now, there's normally nothing wrong with two brothers marrying sisters. There's nothing wrong with that at all. However, as long as the... Uh, uh, as long as he, he, nobody has done yibum with the widow, so any of the brothers potentially could marry that widow, and that means that she's almost like their potential wife, and therefore you couldn't marry her sister. So, the, so it says, so, but, so the halacha is that, and, and he went, so Shomeret Yavam, the guy who was one of the potential brothers, but who doesn't plan on doing the actual yibum, um, goes and he gives kiddushin. He, he betroths the other sister. So we say, wait to marry her, until your older brother finishes the mitzvah. In other words, either takes the widow in Yibum or uh, releases her for, through Chalitza, and then you can consummate your marriage with your sister. 
right? So that's the, uh, um, the, the rabbis say that's not an issue, that since there's, since there's nothing specific on any particular brother that he has to be the one to take the widow, they're all allowed to marry the sisters of the widow and wouldn't be a problem. But according to Rabbi Udabed Tera, as long as it is possible for him to do the Yibum Rechalitza until his brother removes that possibility, he cannot marry the sister of the widow. And, Rabbi, and the halacha is, um, uh, and Shmuel said, Vamar Shmuel, halacha Rabbi Udabed Tera, and, uh, and Shmuel said, halacha was Rabbi Udabed Tera. So you see from that, that uh, Shmuel is the one who would be concerned about the individual opinion of somebody like Rabbi Mona against everyone else, that you're allowed to, uh, or it's Rabbi Yehuda, is Rabbi Mona, the name of Rabbi Yehuda, that, should be, uh, that it would invalidate your reading of Megillah if there's a long pause in the middle of the halacha, is that it does not invalidate. In any case, Tanu Rabbanan, the rabbi start. If the sofer who wrote the Megillah left out some letters or some psukim, and, and the person who was reading read it like a meturgeman, meaning he read it like a translator, he read it bal pe, he filled in the missing psuk, the missing words of psukim on his own. Yatsa, it's fine. Maybe there is an objection. Doesn't it say in a brighter that if there were letters in the Megillah that were either faded or torn? If they're still discernible, it's kasher, but if not, it's pasul. So that shows you that if there is anything missing from the Megillah, it would be pasul. Depends. If you're talking about the entire thing, that that's the status of the entire Megillah, the majority of it is that the letters are ruined. So then you're right, it would be pasul. But if it's a small amount of the Megillah, then it's still kasher. If the reader skipped the pasuk, he shouldn't say, look, I'm going to finish to the end, and then I'll go back and read that one pasuk. Rather, he has to go back to the pasuk he skipped and read from there on in order. If a person comes into the Beit Knesset and he finds out that the people have read half the Megillah, he shouldn't say, I'll finish the rest of the latter half of the Megillah and I'll go back and read the beginning afterwards. Rather, he has to start all over from the beginning because it must be read in the proper order. If a person is falling asleep while reading, he fulfills the mitzvah. What's considered falling asleep? It means asleep but not asleep, awake but not awake. Um, and how do we define that? <coughs> if you call them, he answers. But he can't formulate a, a reasoning on his own. But if you remind him of something, he'll remember it and he'll be able to acknowledge uh, and... Um, uh, and understand it. He just can't produce anything, any coherent thoughts in that state of mind. We said that if he was writing it, or he was studying it, or he was correcting a Megillah, if he has intent, he can fulfill the mitzvah by doing that. If the person's writing a Megillah, pasuk by pasuk, how good is that going to be? It doesn't do any good, because he doesn't have a Megillah in front of him. He's writing the Megillah as he's reading it. So how does it help him? He doesn't have a full Megillah in front of him when he started the reading. Rather, he writes the pasuk... Uh, in other words, if he reads the pasuk and then writes it, it's no good, right? If he writes it and then reads each pasuk as he wrote it, umi yatsai, still is no good. It won't work. Uh, the halacha is that a person has to read the entire Megillah, um, and vafilu uh, the and even according to the one that says you don't have to read the entire Megillah only from when Mordechai is introduced in the Megillah, the entire Megillah has to be written in front of the person when he starts reading it. So if the person is reading the Pasuk and then writing it down, for sure it's no good. And if they're writing it down then reading it, it's still no good because the entire Megillah is not completed yet. He's writing it. We're talking about where you had an entire Megillah in front of you and you're copying a new Megillah. 
as you're copying from the original one, you're saying the pasuk and then you're writing it out. So when you're saying the pasuk, you're reading it out of the Megillah that's fully written. And since you had an intent to fulfill the mitzvah, you get credit for the mitzvah. This seems to support what Rabbi Barbachana said, because Rabbi Barbachana said the name of Rabbi Yochanan, that you're not allowed to write even one letter not copying from a pre-existent text. So you see from here, the fact that it says that you could fulfill the reading of the Megillah while you're writing a Megillah must be because you have a written Megillah in front of you. So you see from that proof that you must always have a written text you're copying from. So dilma No, not necessarily, because it could be that the that the Mishnah is just referring to a case where you happen to have a Megillah you were copying from. In a case, if you wanted to write a Megillah ba'al peh by heart, you wouldn't need to have a, a, another Megillah to copy from. Maybe, maybe that's the case. But it happens to be that this person did, and therefore they can fulfill the mitzvah of reading the Megillah as they're doing it. So that's what the Gemara says. Guva, we go back to what we said before. You cannot write one word of Kitvei Kodesh of any sacred text without copying it from a pre-existing text. Maybe there is an objection. Rabbi Shem Ben Alazar said that there was a situation with Rabbi Meir. One time he went to Asia to have the convention of rabbis where they were going to discuss whether to add a month to the year to do a leap year. And there was no Megillah there. So what did he do? He wrote it by heart. And then he read it. So you see, you can write it by heart. Rabbi Meir was very different. Because he fulfilled the pasuk, your eyes are straight in front of you. In other words, he had everything. He was a, he had a photographic memory. Is basically what it's saying. Your eyelashes are straight in front of you. Is a way of saying that you are uh, you are a uh, you have a photographic memory. What does it mean that your eye that your uh, your eyelids are straight in front of you? This is talking about the words of Torah because it says regarding the words of Torah. If you blink your eyes from them, they're going to be gone. Meaning that you'll lose it if you don't focus on them. And even so, they were straight in front of Rabbi Meir. In other words, even though we normally say that if a person takes their eyes off it for a second, they're going to forget it. With Rabbi Meir, he had a photographic memory, so he was able to write a Megillah even Baal Peh. Right, so, the, uh, so that's that Rav Chananil was writing Sfarim without a pre-existing text. Look, the whole Torah could be written by you. You're so great. But the Chachamim have said that it's prohibited to write even one letter not copying from a pre-existing text. From the fact that he said to Rav Chananil that really you're worthy of writing the entire Torah. The Torah is worthy of being written by you still implies that Rav Hananel also had a photographic memory and still he was telling him not to do it right so uh, and we see that Rabbi Meir did it so why is Rav Hananel different than Rabbi Meir Rabbi Meir had a photographic memory and he was allowed to write a Megillah by heart so Rav Hananel has the same thing he should be allowed to write it so it says, That was different. In Rabbi Meir's case, they were in an emergency situation where they had no Megillah to read from. That's why he was allowed to do it. But normally, we would not allow him to do it. Right? So the, even, Rabbi Meir, even Rabbi Meir wouldn't normally do it. 
ממכתב תפילין ומזוזות שלו מן הכתב. אביי אלאוד, הישיבה אב בר חבו, הוא הישיבה אב סופרים, ספרי תורה, תפילין ומזוזות, הילדם תראה תפילין ומזוזות, without copying it from pre-existing text. כמען, כי היי תנא, like the following תנא, זה תניא, רבי ירמיה אומר, משום רבינו, רבי ירמיה said, in the name of our teacher, in the name of רבינו, that תפילין ומזוזות נכתבות שלא מן הכתב, that תפילין ומזוזות can be written without a pre-existing text, ואין צריכות שרטוט, and they also don't need lines engraved in the text. There's a difference, tefillin don't require lines in the text, but mezuzot, we do make lines indented into the text. They can both be written without a pre-existing text. Because everybody knows them by heart, because it's such a short amount, small amount of text, so therefore the sofrim know them by heart and they don't need a pre-existing text about anything else. You would have to have a pre-existing text. And if a person had a uh, photographic memory and there was an emergency, like they need to write a Megillah, there we see that there's a leniency allowing him to write the Megillah by heart. It talked about different kinds of... Um, of uh, uh, um, kinds of inks that are invalid. So it said, Sam is Sama. Sam is referring to Sama, which Rashi here says is called Orpominito. Orpominito in, in Old French. Um, on the side of the text, it says it's some kind of Tsevazav, some kind of a yellow, uh, some kind of a yellow uh, colored ink. That's what it says on the, uh, in the Hagaot Vatsiyunim. That, uh, that, that, that in Old French, that's what that would refer to. Um, the Sikra, uh, Sikreta. It's some kind of a red dye that they used, a red paint that they used to paint Trisin, that they used to paint shutters with it. And Kuma is, is uh, so he says, Amarabachana, Sikreta Shema. Right, so that's a, that's the first thing. So it says, "Sam is a sama." Sikra mabachana sikret hashema. Komus is koma, which is a type of a uh, uh, is a type of a um, sap of a tree. And kankantum, what is kankantum? Charta de ushpache. That's talking about a type of uh, black ink that was used to uh, <coughs> on shoes to blacken the shoes. All of these. Are kinds of ink that are not valid for writing Sifrei Torah. Diftera de Malech vekamiach v'lo'afitz niyar machka. The what is diftera that you're not allowed to to use as parchment? It means that it was salted. They, they applied salt and flour. It says that they 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 applied. Uh, I'm sorry, but it says salt vekamiach. Rashi says b'maim that they treated it with the salt and the water. But they didn't put the gold nuts on it, which was a way that they, uh, that they treated the, um, the parchment to make it proper for writing. What is it talking about when it says paper? That means machka, uh, which Rashi says means a type of, uh, it's made out of, uh, it's papyrus basically. It's made out of uh, plant instead of out of, um, instead of, out of uh, 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 animal skin. So the uh, Tosfot here takes some issue with some of the some of Rashi's interpretations of the various items and how it fits with the way that we write Sifrei Torah today and and uh, so on, um, and what which ingredients can and can't be used in the inks. I, it's a long discussion, but basically the point is that the Mishnah had ended that you have to write it in Hebrew on proper parchment with black ink. Because it says it has to be written in its proper writing, 
um, which means it has to be written in Hebrew, ideally, ala sefer ubidio, minalan, atektiva, ktiva, ktiva, chava, tichto, vester malka. It says that Esther wrote the Megillah, uchtivatam, and it says over there, vayom elem bauch, mi piv, that bauch said, and this is a, the, the Pasuk is uh, describing the writing of the Nevuot of Yirmiyahu, right? Yikrai layet kol advarim ha'ele, v'ani kotev ala sefer badio, that um, he read to me all these things, he's told me all these things, and I wrote it on parchment, badio with the ink. So the point is that ktiva is something that is written on parchment with proper ink that doesn't get easily erased and that is the uh, that is halachat, the discussion of how our current practices of preparing ink and parchment fit with those of the Gemara. It's a long discussion among the Rishonim. Tosfot talks about it here in defense of the modern uh, customs. There are some who maintain that the modern custom is not in accord with the Talmudic law, and they have a different approach based upon the Rambam or the other Rishonim. Long discussion, fascinating I- issue to take up, but uh, beyond the scope of this shiur, Bezrat Hashem will continue from the Mishnah in our next shiur.